Hi Ventures, welcome back to another episode of the Just Checking In podcast. I'm your host Freddie Cocker and this podcast is brought to you by Vent, a place where everyone but especially men and boys can open up about their mental health issues, break down stigmas and start conversations. In each episode I check in with a special guest. We have a natter and a chat about all things mental health as well as anything and everything else they are passionate about. If it helps that person with their mental health, we discuss it. My special guest for today's episode is Juan Jose Estrada, known as Pedro to his friends and myself. Me and Pedro went to secondary school together but didn't know each other back then, with Pedro being in the year below me, but it's safe to say me and him had very different secondary school experiences. Pedro now works as a personal trainer and in this episode we discuss his fitness journey from being introduced to sport at a very early age by his parents and playing lots of different sports before focusing on road cycling and weightlifting as he reached his late teens. As I did with previous guests Mark Wyatt and James Roffey, we emphasise the importance of the relationship between our physical health and mental health as well as having the right mental diet alongside your physical diet. For Pedro's mental health journey, he was born in Colombia to Colombian parents and moved back and forth between the UK and Colombia several times when he was younger and during his schooling, which brought a lot of instability and he struggled to fit in at times in this period. He moved to the UK permanently when he was around 14 or 15 years old, so year 9 in the UK, and we discussed how he worked to fit in at school as the new kid initially before finding a positive and supportive friendship group and his mental health improved from that point onwards. We also discuss his Colombian roots and how his identity as a British Colombian was formed. When Pedro was 19, he moved out of his parents' home and wasn't making the best choices for his physical and his mental health with some bad habits, including smoking. And we discuss the importance of habits and how little habits can have a big impact on your mental health for better or for worse. We finish by discussing a bad injury he sustained which hospitalised him and made him bedbound for a few weeks which impacted his physical and mental health to the point where he was really struggling at one point. A casual conversation with a friend about his mental health opened his eyes to how he was really feeling and the mask came down. And we discuss why having a supportive and emotionally intelligent support network is just as important as having the courage to open up about your mental health as a man if you feel it would help you in the first place. So this is how my conversation with Juan Jose Estrada, aka Pedro, went. Juan Jose Estrada, aka Pedro, welcome to the Just Checking In Pod, mate. Thank you very much for coming down and cycling all the way from suburban Essex to northeast London to come record this. How are you, yep, mate? Yep, yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me, Fred. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm well, man. Yeah, I'm good. Good as can be. Excellent, mate. We've got loads of interesting topics to discuss, and I hope I do any Spanish pronunciations justice. Because <laughs> my dad won't listen to this, but I've got my dad as a fluent Spanish speaker in the back of my head going, yeah. don't mispronounce that word. Yeah. So there we go. Without further delay, are you ready to start the show? Yes, let's do this. We're going to start your pod, mate, by diving into your fitness journey as your full-time job is a personal trainer. So take me back to the beginning, if you can. Where did your love for exercise, sport begin and how did it lead to the journey where you're sitting with me today? 
Yeah, man, to be honest with you, I've been fortunate from young, from a very young age, I've always been into fitness, into sports, movement. I think it stems from my parents who kind of instilled that into me from a very young age. I was doing karate or I was doing cycling or my dad would take us to go play squash or football. I did football for a few years every Saturday. And then, yeah, just kind of from there, you kind of evolve and you kind of realize, okay, I want to take this direction. I like cycling. Cycling was the one that mm-hmm. appealed to me. Road cycling, specifically. Road right? cycling yeah. and BMX. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where it led me. I did boxing as well. And then when I hit 18, I think I started lifting weights and doing the gym bro. Uh, the, <laughs> lifestyle. The, the gym bro lifestyle, <laughs> yeah. And started hitting the gym. And then, yeah, from there... It's always served me, always been into fitness, like I said, always kept it up year on year, always kept it up the fitness. And then eventually it got to the point where my career as a security officer, Mm -hmm. because fitness isn't my full-time job. Oh, okay. It's it's more of a hobby, to be honest with you. Okay, okay. So I did personal training more as a hobby. I started off my career as security, security officer, and it got to the point where I kind of felt like I wasn't advancing anymore Mm. with security. So I thought to myself, what can I do? What can I invest in? I want to learn something. I want to educate myself. That's something that I enjoy, mm. that I want to go and study it. Mm. And it was fitness. And were you naturally gifted at sport? Because a joke I always make is that I know a few South Americans mm. and you, your heritage is South American. Yep. And it's almost like every one of you kind of claims, oh, I play a little bit. And you turn up and it's like, they're actually just like youth, former youth players for their country or something like that. Semi-pro it's, it's, yeah, semi-pro. Yeah. Always. I had a guy... Bless him, Felipe, I used to work with five years ago. He was Colombian. Yeah. And he was like 35, 36 time. He literally ran rings around everyone at yeah. five or five. He used to go, I'm okay, you know, I play a little bit. And then Humble. he comes out and he's just fucking, yeah. he's just tearing everyone up. No backlift, pings it 50, like mad, mad. Were you naturally gifted like that? To be honest with you, bro, I wouldn't say I was naturally gifted. Okay. I don't think I had an advantage. You played a lot of sports. Though. You have to be talented to be able to do all of that. I had a certain level. I had a baseline level of Got fitness. You. A foundation. Yeah, I had yeah. a foundation level of fitness Mm -hmm. to the point where I was doing sports day and I'm shocking myself (laughs) because I'm like oh I'm outrunning this dude Mm. (laughs) do you know what I mean it wasn't Mm. something that I excelled in naturally but it was probably the consistency of from young I was always fit doing the sports Mm -hmm. probably that's where it came from but I wouldn't say I was naturally born talented Mm. what was it about personal training and the gym bro life and all that sort of thing that made you want to immerse yourself in it fully or more than just, oh, I'm going to dip my toe in, I want to dip my foot in. <laughs> mm. Personal interest, mm. I would say. It's like, what do you want to do on a Monday if money wasn't an issue mm-hmm. and you could wake up and do something every single day for free mm. and not be paid for it, what would it be? Sounds like a hinge prompt. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it was fitness. Mm. For me, it was some sport, whether it's swimming, rock climbing, mm. some activity cycling Mm. with the bros gym with my friend or hiking or Mm. something it was always something active and like i said to you it reflected throughout my life Mm -hmm. i've always done one sport or another and it got to the point like i said to you i wanted to invest in education that was my thing at the time that yeah yeah and i thought well how can i expand my knowledge in an area invest in yourself yeah yeah yeah. in an area that actually interests me and something that i can then go and share with the people around me Mm. individuals and then potentially monetize it and the answer was fitness yeah it just so happened to be that at the time because this was around 2020 at the time covid covid Mm. just before covid i started the course just before covid okay and then at the time fitness is now going up 
everyone, and especially after COVID, now everyone's aware of their health. Now everybody wants to go for runs. Now everybody wants to do some sort of fitness. We're more aware of our health. Mm. And it was just good timing, really. And I've spoken with previous guests, Mark White and James Roth, who are also personal trainers. And we've spoken a lot about the relationship between physical health and mental health. And you encapsulated with the saying, strong body, strong mind. Just unpack that for me. Dude, our mental health and our physical health is directly correlated. One of the things that I solidly believe in is that you can have a look at somebody's physical body and it will be a somewhat representation of what's going on in their Correct. mind. Yeah. Most of the time. Most yeah, of the yeah, time, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, there's going to be exceptions, sure. Mm. But for the most part, you can take one look at somebody and you can get a rough idea as to what's going on in their head. Because mm. our reality is a reflection of our mental, right? Our reality as a whole. So the job that we work, the state that our house is in, mm. our physical health... That's all a reflection of what's going on in our head. You can probably take a look at someone's house as well, or like their inside of their house or their flat and Precisely. say, this is probably another Precisely. summation of what their mental Ab- health's like. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And so, yeah, in terms of unpacking the strong body, strong mind, one of the things that fitness allows you to do is to improve on yourself, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of people will realize this once they start, or if they're already into fitness, they will know if you start running, for example... Cool, now you've done it three, four times, you've gone for runs, now you're timing yourself. Now you're thinking, oh, cool, I'm getting faster. Well, I wonder if I can do a four-minute kilometer. Mm. I wonder if I can do a three-and-a-half-minute kilometer. So you're constantly trying to improve on yourself. That gives you the goal setting, Mm -hmm. the knowing that you can improve on yourself. How can I explain it? It's a marker. It's a marker for yourself to follow Mm -hmm. and to aim for. Yeah, it's like in Crash Team Racing when you've got to beat your previous best and there's a ghost of your previous self driving around the track. Yeah, 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 exactly. You're chasing your ghost. Yeah. And I think that builds a strong mind because one of the things that leads to poor mental health is a lack of wins. It's a lack of wins. You've taken an L, you've taken another L. Too many L's. Too many yeah. L's is not good. And, now and, you're not, you, and you're not learning from them. That's the most important part. You're not learning yeah. from them. Exactly. That's spot on. And it's not just now in different areas of your life. In the whole spectrum of life now, you're taking L's everywhere. But if you can take a win, a small win here is going to help you in all of them. Because now Mm. you're going to have a bit of confidence in yourself. Mm. Now you're going to believe in yourself a little bit. And that's what's going to stack up. Right, oh wow, I didn't realise I could achieve this. Mm. I didn't realise I could achieve this physique. I didn't realise I could achieve this strength feat. Mm -hmm. Or run a marathon. Or even just go for my first run. Right? Even just something simple is like... Standing up from the floor without using your hands. Tying your shoelaces without having to sit down. Putting your shoe on, tying your shoelaces, mm. socks on. The old man's uh, yeah, yeah, strength yeah, okay, test, yeah. right? Now you can do these things. And now you're stacking it up. You're feeling better about yourself. Leads to a strong mind. You spoke about fasting in our chat off air. And, and mm. I want to be careful with it because taken to extreme, it can lead to sort of disordered eating behaviours and other things. However... How do people do it in a healthy way and avoid those pitfalls and avoid the snowball L, shall we say? Yeah, I want to put a disclaimer out here. I am not an expert or Mm -hmm. a PhD doctor Mm. about fasting. Most of my knowledge is from my own anecdotal Mm -hmm. and from all the podcasts that I listen Mm -hmm. to, all of the books that I read. I think fasting has got many, many benefits, Mm -hmm. right? We live in a society where we are consumers, and a lot of the time we're over consumers. So we're consuming a lot of food. We're consuming a lot of information. Even with the dating, like you mentioned earlier, <laughs> yeah. too much yeah. too much stimulus, right? It's like gambling. It's like gambling psychology, isn't right. it? Right. Yes, exactly. You're constantly, constantly overstimulated. And I think fasting allows your body to it's another form of challenge because 
there's two types of hunger, right? The challenge is the hunger. And there's two types of hunger. There's a mental hunger and then there's an actual stomach yes. hunger. Yeah. It's like, I need nutrition now. My mm. body is now, I need the nutrition. And a lot of people are out of tune with that. I'd say the majority of the population is out of tune with that. In the Western society, yes, yeah. is out of tune with that. Am I just craving some sugar, a bit of food, the movement of chewing mm-hmm. and lifting up a fork to my mouth? Or am I actually deficient in nutrition, in minerals, vitamins, protein, all of that stuff? You can extend it more widely to fasting, you know, digital fasting. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, yeah, 100%. But I think the fasting from food, also one of the other benefits of it is that you allow your body a bit of time to do other things. Process whatever Mm. bacteria you've got in your body, recover from whatever workout you've done. If you're, for example, feeling a little bit rough or Mm -hmm. ill, it's going to help you to not eat. Because your body is going to want to fight the pathogens. If you have three meals a day, every single day, your body's constantly digesting, constantly digesting, constantly digesting. has a negative effect on food, or, sorry, on sleep. It's super time consuming. And also there's many ways of fasting. One of my best friends has done a five day fast. Mental, water fast, just on water. You know, I'd see him every other mm-hmm. day or whatever. We'd train and uh, it was a challenge. It was a challenge for him, <laughs> 100%. And you see the ups and downs in the mood. You see the ups and downs in the hunger. He was actually hungry by the time he got to day five, you know? (laughs) But if you've had breakfast and you've had lunch and in the evening you're feeling hungry, likely you don't need nutrition at that point. Unless you've had five chocolate bars and some dog food for breakfast, you're not going to (laughs) need, you're not going to need nutrition at that point, right? You're probably just craving the act of eating. So I think fasting has got a lot of benefits. Another phrase that I found interesting in our chat off air is mental diet and how we maintain or even build a positive one so elaborate on that for me what does a good mental diet entail what does a good mental diet entail i think that's subjective of course right i think that's why i asked the question yeah (laughs) yeah i think it depends on the individual for the most part like i said earlier i think your fitness has a part to play because that is part of your mental diet Mm -hmm. you're going for a run say for example you're in a different environment your self-talk is different Mm -hmm. to that if you're sitting at home watching telly. So that's one part I would say that the rest of it is everything else that we consume from the ads that we get thrown in our face and shoved down our throat. I get the same bloody ads every single year and I'm not using a single one of those outlets. That's the scary part. There you go. To the television that we watch, Mm -hmm. to the social media that we scroll, even to the friends that you surround yourself with Mm -hmm. and the environments that you go to. Are you the type of person that goes to the pub every single week? Maybe once, twice a week. Are you the type of person that goes to the gym every single week? Maybe once or twice a week. You take those people out, they're going to be different people. Because like I said to you earlier, small habits stack up. So now you've done a whole year of going to the pub every single Friday. That person is going to have a different outcome than the person that's gone to the gym once or twice a year, every single Friday, Saturday, Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, once, twice a week. At the end of the year, it's going to have a different outcome. Yeah, James Clear talks a lot about this in Atomic Habits, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. yeah. How did you develop your own mental diet then? It was a matter of... Hmm, good question. I think <laughs> I've always had a hunger for knowledge. Okay. I've always wanted to improve... Growth mindset. Yeah, yeah, growth mindset. Yeah, that's the word. Growth mindset. So I've always wanted to improve on myself. And I think you begin to notice what's good for you, what's not. If you're really looking deep and you're really analysing yourself which you need to do in order to improve you kind of think okay is this serving me drinking all the time smoking all the time is this really doing good for me going to the casino going to the pub is this really doing good for me and you begin to see the benefits from fitness and from other things and you know what's good for you Mm. your body tells you 
Intuition is such a big thing that I have fully... Trust your gut. Yeah, trust your gut. your gut. You have to trust your gut. You have to know what your body's telling you and act on it. One of the things that can definitely contribute to a poor mental diet, as we both know, mate, is loneliness and lack of connection. And this is a really big problem for men, as we know. You know, you, know, you have to look at some of the statistics about what percentage of men have one friend they can even count on in a time of crisis or two friends or three friends and it's vastly different to say women and there's you know there's a whole other podcast of reasons behind that so we know that loneliness can take years off someone's life expectancy you know sometimes as much as even being in a, a regular smoker can how do people and specifically because this is yeah. the podcast that tries to help everyone but especially men how do men combat this again it's a million dollar question i know a, it's a million dollar question yeah and it's also a nuanced conversation i think that Going back to the point that you made, even just having a dog, people with dogs live longer than people that don't. And that's a general statistic. Again, there's, mm. there's going to be individual cases, but unless you're getting run over by a bus or something, <laughs> being surrounded by someone or something like a dog or mm -hmm. a pet or something and having it's that unconditional love, isn't it? Yeah, and connection, yeah. I think as human beings, we are designed by design to... Have, have connection, connection. And crave it and crave to have it. friends yeah. yeah and the greeks do it really well they've got different types of love right so the love that you feel to a brother is different to the love that you feel for your mum is different for the love that you have for your car okay. and is different to the so love it's like platonic versus maternal right? versus yeah romantic versus There's a all bunch that. of yeah. different yeah, yeah. loves they yeah. do it really really well but either way it's super important and you need to surround yourself with the right people they say that you're the average of the three people that you hang around the most or the five people that you hang around the most that you become the average eventually I hear that. I do hear that. I'm thought by that. I think that, that has some. That mm. has some credibility. I'm just thinking about that now. Like, yeah, that's probably about right. <laughs> I think that's pretty true. You surround mm. yourself with liars and thieves. You'll eventually become a liar and a thief. Mm. You surround yourself with men with values and dignity and grandiose people. Mm -hmm. Some of that will rub off on you. So yeah, and I think personally, I've been very fortunate because part of the Colombian culture is very family oriented. Yes. So just to sort of give you an example. I've always got on with my brother. I have a younger brother. Mm -hmm. I love that dude to bits. I've always got on with him. We've had our differences, but my parents always told me, you have to love your brother. Love him, regardless. Mm. He is your brother. You are blood, mm. right? Aggressive. <laughs> you must love, you must love <laughs> you him. You love him. That's very Colombian. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I remember coming to the UK and I'm talking to my peers and they're telling me, no, man, I hate my brother. Or my sister. Well, that, is a, that is a different time, though. We all kind of might have said that at one point about yeah, our siblings. Because, you know, sure. if you've got big families, and you know, I'm one of four. You know, you have fights and everything. But then as you get older, you know, you, your relationship changes. For I sure. You that. Grow but I get you. I get, I get I see both sides. Yeah. But I remember thinking to myself, like, and not even just hearing it. I saw it. Oh, I okay. saw it firsthand. You didn't just and see the flippant comment. You no, saw the manifestation. I saw it yeah. firsthand. And it was a recurring theme. And I thought, like... Oh, does that okay. come back to the parents this though this is do you different think? potentially mm. yeah I think it does I think it's, it's a cultural it's like a cultural trend effect. yes yeah. Yeah. yeah but I remember thinking this is different did that jar you mm, I wouldn't say jars me no I just remember seeing the difference noticing the difference and thinking oh wow even the relationship between mother and child or mm. parents mm. and offspring was different and we had a very family orientated and very love your neighbor also catholic yes yeah. hierarchy yeah. authority yeah, yeah. strong in Columbia that culture. also very strong yeah, in Columbia. Yeah, yeah. so that also instilled in me a certain respect Re and reverence sort of, as well i imagine yeah absolutely yeah. for those around me mm. uh, especially those who are close around mm. me let's reflect on your fitness journey and so first of all what do you wish you had known back then at the start that you know now 
that's a good question. I think failure is part of the journey, okay? If I could go back and look at myself, my younger self, and speak to him, I'd say, bro, you failed, try again. Try again, keep trying. Don't give up. Failure is the process, not the finish line. Yeah. Precisely. You fail when you give up. That's when you fail, when you give up. But as long as you don't give up, you haven't failed. And you made this point earlier, you have to learn from, yes. you know, in an ideal world. Always try and learn from the L's. It's not, hard when you're younger. It's hard to learn from L's. It is, it is for sure. Because your ego, you're developing your sense of self, like, you know, an L can change your world, mate, back then. A hundred percent. But you have to get up and keep on trucking. Yes. Right? You have to. There's no other choice. It's like Stallone in Rocky Balboa. It's not about getting hit. It's about how hard you get hit and keep you moving keep forward. Keep getting back up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. That is, if I could go back and... Watch Rocky Baba. <laughs> Rocky Four. <laughs> That's what I'd say to myself. Okay. Yeah. And what has it taught you about yourself? Another good question. Um, what has it taught me about myself? <laughs> really, you can achieve a lot more than you think. If you keep learning from your L's, you don't give up, you keep on trying... You can really achieve anything, right? The world is your oyster. Like I said to you earlier, the world around us is a manifestation, not entirely, it's not 100% a manifestation of what's going on in your head. Obviously, you have your starting point, which is different for many, many people. But for the most part, it is a manifestation of what's going on in your head. So it's taught me that if I can stay strong, keep on trucking, keep on learning, keep on growing, I can achieve whatever I put my mind to. We've talked about your fitness journey. Let's talk about your mental health journey and dive a bit deeper now, mate. So take me back to early life, teenage years, and looking back, were there any early mental health experiences? Who's the Juan we meet here? Good question. Um, who is the Juan we meet here? A reflection of my whole existence, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. In terms of mental health, it's interesting because, mm. again, where I'm from, Colombia. Colombia with Catholic background and even just the culture over there. It's not something that you speak about. Nobody's out there leading the conversation about mental health. To be Mets. fair, the country's gone through a lot, man. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not surprised. For sure, for sure. And there's that and thing. And they're still going through a lot. Trust so. me, man. People out there, they got it tough. Mm. You think you got it tough? Listen, somebody else has got it tougher. Mm. But yeah, that conversation was never really, like you say, the early years, mental health journey. If it wasn't in the UK, mate, it wasn't happening in places like Colombia, which, which, which on average, people have it a lot harder than, exactly. say, someone in the UK. Exactly. Mm. And it's like, where are they teaching you that in school? Where's the lesson about how to... Manage your emotions. Manage yeah, your emotions. Yeah, yeah. Be an effective human. Manage your feelings mm. and all of this stuff. In fact, even sometimes it trickles down into the culture and the people where now it's like, you can't talk about it with your friends because now you're perceived as weak mm. or something or... People don't understand and they don't want mm. they don't want to relate or they don't want to talk about or it. Or they don't want to stare at it. That's the main thing, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, going back to your question, it's... Because you were born yeah, there and then question. you moved here. So how did the instability of that affect your personal and self-development at the time? Yeah, that definitely had an impact. Moving to and from Colombia a few times, changing schools and having to adapt to t different cultures, mm -hmm. quite different cultures... Mm -hmm. Definitely has an impact, for sure. 
It was rough at times. I wouldn't fit in in schools. You know, I just wouldn't fit in with the crowds. Was this in Colombia or was it in the UK? A bit of both. Both, yeah? Yeah, I had that experience. Do you think that had an effect? Like, because you were flitting back and forth, you almost, you didn't feel like 100% in in either country? Yeah, yeah. 100%. Definitely. Yeah. Especially with the language. Yeah. Because, like, I'd spend, say, for example, three years in Colombia studying, and now my English, I can still speak English, but maybe it's not as... It's dormant. Right, it's yeah. dormant. Now I come to England, and now I can speak English, it, yeah, you but have... I sound weird. I sound <laughs> a bit like... some of huh? the boys about this. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, he doesn't have the lingo, and he just sounds a bit weird. Like, he can speak English, but he just sounds a bit weird. Is that how Pedro came about, that nickname? Se- yeah, no, it actually is. <laughs> it actually is, yeah. Because uh, I imagine your accent was quite thick when you started off, right? Um... I learned Spanish was my first language and then I came here when I was three years old and mm-hmm. I learned English so I had a little bit of English mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it was thick accent but it was like the because the Colombian accent is strong in Spanish you know Spanish world it, the Colombian accent is strong isn't it yeah it depends on who you ask yeah 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 it depends fair, on who you ask because if you ask I, Puerto Rican they'll probably say no <laughs> you know what I'll take that back because I think that the Colombian accent is clear and also, depends on where in Colombia, because Colombia's got, it's a big country, yeah, and there's yeah. different accents in different yeah, regions. Yeah. Dialects, right? yeah. But for the most part, for example, if you're from Bogota, mm-hmm. which is the capital, or say, for example, Medellin, you've, Cali, these big cities. It's a Pereira. very baritone accent, isn't it? Yeah. In places like that. Yeah. They've all Colombia, got- I see, it comes from the chest, that accent. Yeah, and it kind yeah, of has I a like swing that. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, a rhythm. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if somewhere well. you go to like Castilla, parts of Spain, it's different. Spo- it's it's, it's Rafa Benitez. It's spoken yeah. at the speed of light. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is different. I would say that the Colombian accent is probably one of the clearer Spanishes. Clarity. Out there. Yeah, mm. clarity. Mm. Say, for example, like if English is not your first language and you hear a Scotsman talk, <laughs> you're going to be like, what? Especially in certain parts of Scotland, yeah. When and they yeah. speak at the speed of light. And it's English. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's still yeah. English, but it's harder to understand the diction yeah mm. yeah so yeah the language i wouldn't say it was a terrible barrier but there was some impact mm-hmm. due to that the moving around the difference in cultures yeah man it put me in situations where i'm constantly trying to make friends constantly trying to learn i mean slang in english in london this madness isn't the it? Lingo yeah, yeah, yeah. And- i think the thing that i find out a lot from non-english speakers as their first language is the turns of phrase in england in english so like the language itself might not be as difficult, but say like words that we put together to mean a turn of phrase and they're like, what the hell does that mean? Like it won't make sense for them in a different language. So I'm trying to think of like a turn of phrase that's like English that would be harder. Okay, here's a joke one. Someone says, oh, let's have it. And they're like, what? What does less have it mean? I'm like, mm. oh, this actually means let's go or like we're going to go smash whatever we're going to do. Yeah. And they'll go, but what, but what do you mean? What do you mean? Let's have Seem what? like that. Let's have what? Exactly. <laughs> what exactly. About? That's a good example. Yeah. yeah. It is a good example for sure. Yeah, man. But also I think that all of these things in hindsight. They shape you, don't they? They shape yeah. you. And I'm grateful that it all happened because it's made me who I am today. And mm. also at the time, it feels like the world's falling apart around mm. you. Right. Fuck man, this kid wants to beat me up. Nobody likes me. I've got like two friends and some kid doesn't like me a lot. <laughs> and now he's saying that he wants he's going to beat me up after school. It feels like the world is crashing around you. Because school is your world. Right. At the time, it is, yeah. Or maybe I feel like it makes you who you are. In mm-hmm. hindsight, it's insignificant. Yeah. What positives has being bilingual brought you then? Many. I would say that culturally, I've got the best of both worlds because mm. I've got two super cool cultures and they are two languages which are spoken in majority of the world basically yeah I mean Spanish yeah. is one of the most 
They're in the top five. And so is English. Yeah. I'm pretty sure English is the second and Spanish is the third most spoken languages yes. in the entire world. Yeah. So I'm very fortunate in that sense in terms of what languages they are. They've brought me a lot of cultural insights mm -hmm. where pff, I learned to cook at an early age. Mm -hmm. I can dance salsa, <laughs> I listen to different music, I can speak a different language. And I yeah, you had the time. Now reggaeton is one of the most listened to genres for non-Spanish speakers. Right, right. And back then, you were like, oh, I'm ahead of the time. <laughs> yeah, but you don't know it. No. So yeah, man, lots of benefits, lots of benefits. Like I said to you, in hindsight, I'm grateful for all of it. When you did finally move to the UK permanently, mm -hmm. so you were in year nine, you went to the same school, so you were 14, 15, right? Yeah. So how did that feel? Was it a relief or did you go oh now I've got to do this all again as the new kid because that is hard in any school let alone the school we went to which was very rough <laughs> yeah I mean I didn't really know what the situation was at the time I didn't know if you probably not even aware. go back yeah, to yeah. Colombia at some point or whether we're indefinitely staying now in the UK it was kind of always off of the back of my parents mm -hmm. so I didn't really think about it. I didn't really have plans like, right, what am I going to do now? I couldn't. I didn't know. Because you'd I moved was, so many times before. There's no point me planning for the next six months because I could end I up could going back. moving again. Yeah. Yeah. It was, again, and this links back to the people that you surround yourself mm -hmm. with, I landed in a good spot with the people that I was around. And also, I think I just got good at making friends by this point. I mean, after by this trial, point, it's a lot of trial and error there. So dude, by the time you get to 14, you're probably pretty good at it. Like five, six different schools. Yeah. I'm now like expert friend maker. Mm. So... You've got the skill set. Uh, now I know yeah, yeah. how to make friends. Yeah. Right? So I've made friends and yeah, credit to those guys as well because they're great friends. Mm. And how long did it take for the new kid label to stop being the new kid label? Roughly. I don't really know. You know what? I was fortunate. I kind of, I kind of slid in relatively well. Mm. It was relatively quick. I remember thinking like, this is your, good. Your yogurt was also very good. Like, my yogurt was horrible, but your yogurt was very support. Like, there probably was bullying and some elements, but yeah, by groups. and large, from the outside looking in, your year group seemed to be one that got on with each other. Yeah, well, we all still speak now. Exactly. And yeah, we're yeah, all yeah. still great friends <laughs> No now. one in my year does. We all right? got PTSD, the ones that survived. <laughs> <laughs> and that's an uncommon theme. A lot of people leave school, start university, da -da -da -da. we didn't, we stayed friends. Mm. So I think that does say something about the individuals and the group. But yeah, I think I landed in a good spot and uh, I was fortunate. And back in Colombia, it's fair to say that you experienced some level of bullying when you were in some of those schools. Mm -hmm. So when you got to St. Ed's and you felt settled and you weren't being bullied, how did your mental health improve from there? Was it like a skyrocket? Did you still have to kind of have those trust issues kind of dissipate? Like, am I going to move again? Do I need to... Like, when did you finally feel like, okay, I'm here. I can crack on. You know what? It's a good question. I think it also has to do with growing up because at this point now I'm 15, 16. Now I'm a teenager, you know, growing, I'm developing myself. I'm thinking, cool, I'm fitting in with these guys. I can chat to these people as well. I would say it's like a upwards trend. I wouldn't say it's a skyrocket. Mm -hmm. It's like an upwards trend. You know, it also has its dips, mm -hmm. its troughs and its peaks. So yeah, that's how I would describe it. Like an upwards trend with peaks and Gradual trough. Gradual process. Yeah, with yeah. peaks and troughs. Yeah. And yeah, sport was definitely a part of that mm. because it's a community. I was right? going to say, does that come back to connection? Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. And mm. now, for example, with the BMX, now I'm BMXing with a group of friends. And now we've all got a group with the BMXers. Now we're the bike riders, we're the bikers. You've got a good label exactly. now. Exactly. You've got a good identity yeah, now. Yeah. Exactly. And now you're part of something. And belonging. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You I, always say, right I always say, I always say, if a boy or man has identity, purpose, and belonging, 
they can thrive in life. And you add at least two of those. Exactly. Maybe exactly. not the purpose yet, but your identity and belonging. Yeah. Whereas yeah. before I didn't. No. Before I was excluded. You were like, what I is would... my identity? Exactly. Is it Colombian? Is it English? Yeah. What is it? Exactly. Mm. Do I hang out with the footballers or do I hang out with the guys who hang around the streets? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Which am I? Exactly. It was very cliquey as well, exactly. in Sinhead. So you had to kind of pick your clique and. Oh, get I'm talking on about Colombia. Oh, you're talking about Colombia as yeah. well? Oh, okay. I'm talking about right. Colombia as well, yeah. But you're right, it was clicky. Mm. It was definitely they had their cliques. Mm. And that's natural. That's normal. Yeah. I think that's I mean it's that's all it's, right. it's London slash Essex in the mid two thousands. I mean of course it's gonna be like that. So there you go. Yeah. We spoke about habits earlier in the pod, mate, and the importance of uh-huh. good habits. And I wanna fast forward a few years now to when you are nineteen because you move out your parents, you start to forge your own path, but the path you went down wasn't paved with good habits. There's a lot of bad habits. I don't want to cancel you, but there was a lot of bad habits, there's a lot of bad choices. <laughs> Who's the Juan we meet here? Here is, again, a reflection of my experiences and like an improved version of all of those. Mm-hmm. One that learned, Juan, one Juan that learned, <laughs> learned from his L's. Yes. Right? So that's who you see here. Sure, I moved out of my parents' house and now I've got freedom. I can do whatever I want. That's pros and cons, by right? the way. Pros and cons, <laughs> yeah, yeah. absolutely. Especially that age. Yeah. 100%. 19 years old. And it's kind of similar to when you go to university. If you live on... In halls, that freedom is mad. It's a mad freedom. <laughs> it's, mad. it's a mad freedom. It's slightly different because you've you've got a community and you still yeah, you have to behave share yourself to some degree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah share yeah. a kitchen, you share uh, whatever living spaces. Yes, yes, but for the most part, you've now got freedom, right? And that's what I experienced. My parents were kind of like, "You want to fly, buddy? Go on then. Let's okay. see you fly." <laughs> and uh, sure, I stood on the edge of the nest, ruffled up my feathers. And fell straight to the ground. <laughs> That's exactly what I did. I hit the ground straight mm. away. Started smoking more. Started now I'm smoking cigarettes on a regular mm-hmm. basis. Now I'm smoking weed way too much. Mm. Now I'm going drinking a lot with my friends. I'm getting home 2am. I don't care about my sleep. I'm not thinking about... I mean, we're all doing that to some degree at that age. I mean, I was doing yeah, that Yeah, but I was doing it too much. Exactly. Did it become a crutch? I was doing it too much. Yes. Yeah, mm. I was doing it too much. And you veer away from your responsibilities... It's negative escapism. It is. It's yeah. negative escapism. Yeah. I'm talking about all your responsibilities from mm. your financial responsibilities to your personal responsibilities to your social responsibilities. Mm-hmm. You start to veer away from that now because you're having a good time. Mm. You're enjoying yourself. You're thinking, cool, man, this is great. Mm. I'm having a great time. I'm having a well of a time. You convince yourself that that's what you want to do, that you want to be out with your friends all the time. 100% all up, the time. Yeah. You know, to the point where you're like, to me now it's bizarre, but you meet up with your friends and you're like, I'm going to get smash tonight bro mm. yeah me too man yeah. and now i think back on that and i'm like what was the motivation isn't <laughs> what, it? Yeah. what was yeah that's yeah. crazy that's crazy I, I can't think about that now it's self-destructive behavior for banter purposes isn't it? yeah it's for banter and you view it as banter purposes or whatever yeah and your yeah. friend you're encouraging it with mm. your friends mm. and it's like what what's going on mm. <laughs> right back to the point who are you surrounding yourself with so what's your group like mm. So uh, it was interesting. It was definitely interesting. I would say probably it took me at least a couple of years of those bad habits. And it took me even more years to get out of them, to break the cycles mm. and to relearn new habits, better habits. Mm. Well, when we yeah. spoke off air, you, you talked about this element of control when it comes to habits. Mm-hmm. And when we have healthier habits, we have more control in general. So how did you go about regaining control through the positive habits? I think it links back to, uh, to what I said to you earlier about failure. Mm-hmm. Because you try to quit smoking and you fail and you're smoking again, <laughs> right? Within I know a few people like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then you try again. This time you last a day, but you fail again. And then you try again. This time you last a week, but you fail again. 
Then you try again and now you've lasted a day. Back to square one. And you have to keep on trying and trying and trying and never give up. It took me years to quit smoking because it was ingrained, right? Back to the original question, the point about the- Control. The control, yeah. right? Now you're starting to feel a bit of control because you're improving. And you're like, okay, I've gone from a day to a week and now I'm back to a day, but I know I can do a week. So let me try again. You control yourself, control therefore you relinquish that which controls you. Yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah. There's this beautiful quote. It's not word for word, but roughly it goes, thoughts become your words, your words become your behavior, your behavior becomes your habits and your habits become your values. And then your values become your destiny, right? I think it was Mahatma Gandhi okay. that said that, right? And yeah, like I said to you earlier, man, it all starts in your head. Mm. It all starts in your head. So what are you telling yourself? What's your self-talk like? You know, how would you... If your friend was going through a situation that you're in, would you say the same thing to them that you're saying to yourself? Or would you say something different? Would you take your own advice? Would you take your own mm. advice? And uh, would you say that to them? Because a lot of the time, like it's been something that I've been grappling with more recently, but this negative self-talk where you beat yourself down, you're like, mm. man, you're an idiot. You're dumb. Mm. <laughs> like you're weak. You mm. can't do it. Man, you're so weak. Fuck. You're beating yourself down. So instead, you wouldn't say that to your friend. If no, your friend's quitting smoking yeah. and he's relapsed, you're going to be like, bro, don't worry, man. Just mm. keep trying. You're going to be all right, right? It's different. So what's it going to be? How are you going to talk to yourself? Exactly. I want to move on to something now which caused you a lot of physical distress, mm. which then ended up snowballing, like we said, snowball of L's yeah. into the mental distress, yep. which was an injury you had yeah. a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. So it hospitalized you, first of all, mm. then it made you bed bound for quite a few weeks. Yep. So first of all, how did the accident happen? And also given how active you were and you still are at now, how did going from 100 to literally zero, zero. affect your mental health? 100 to zero. Mm. I had a profound impact. It had a profound impact, 100%. From the point of you're not moving, you can't do stuff for yourself. I went for it last year, bro. Exactly the same thing. Bed yeah. bound for a literally couldn't move, couldn't do anything for a month. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I did. I had an operation. I broke my ankle quite severely, many different places. They had to put metal in there and whatever and had a big impact because of that. So one is the physical. You can't move. You literally can't move your body. It's painful to put my foot down now because all the blood's rushing down and now I can feel the pain. Right. So I have to keep my foot up. It's painful to go to the toilet. I can't go downstairs and grab a glass of water. Somebody has to do that for me. That sucks. <laughs> Infantilization. Yeah. yeah. And you don't realise it immediately. You realise it down the line. And then there's the social aspect. Now you're, you're not socialising with people. You haven't got the release. Yeah, your release you don't have release. All your release valves are turned off. Yeah, now you're mm. just in bed. You're not chatting to people. Like You're not independent. Yeah, and also people are like, how's it going? Are you okay? What can I do for you? Bad news disclosure repetitively right? is yes. shit, isn't it? Yeah. Make sure that, you withdraw because you don't want to give the same conversations. Yeah, to the point times, where it's yeah. boring now. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So yeah, that definitely has a an impact. And mm. back to the point, like your physical, putting aside the injury, if you just take those actions, say I didn't get injured, but now I'm in bed for a long time and now I'm picking up bad habits again because now I'm scrolling Which through routine, social media. Your whole routine has changed. Whole routine's changed. Positive routine, positive habits are gone. Now you can't now do you positive stuff, right? You're staring at your phone 12 hours a day. You're watching the same TV show eight hours TV a day. watching the same TV show, exactly. I do that sometimes, bro, and I'm, like, I actually feel ill at the end of the day. Yeah, man, your head starts spinning. Yeah. Like if I look at my phone too much and then I look away, now I'm like back in the real world, I'm like, oh, this is different, mm. right? It's like, it shouldn't be like that. Mm. 
But yeah, big impacts. Your mental health state at this point was deteriorating, ironically, while your body was trying to repair itself. Yeah. And it was actually, coming back to that conversation about self-awareness, mm. you didn't have as much of this at the time. And it was a casual conversation with a friend who sort of lifted the wall from over your eyes, shall we say. Just tell me about that conversation and why it was important. It was striking because I'd never in my life been asked, how's your mental health? Word for word. How's your mental health? By and the way, is, how's your And this is what, 2022? 21. 21. Okay. 2021. Yeah, I've now recovered. I'm like recovered mm -hmm. at this point. Now I'm active again. I'm seeing friends. I'm doing well. I'm, I'm out again mm -hmm. in the real world again and building strength in the, in the foot. Yeah, one day, one day my friend's like, oh, cool, so how's your mental health? And uh, it struck me. Did it he just rattle me. you? Dude, I was yeah. like, oh, I haven't thought about that. <laughs> How is my mental health? <laughs> oh, wow. Is it? Is it good? I want to say it's good, but maybe I don't feel that it's as good as I'd like it to be. So now I'm like, hmm. How did the conversation lead from there then when you started kind of articulating your thoughts as you were feeling them, as you were processing them? Yeah, well, like I said, I was flabbergasted. <laughs> I was, I was blown away. I was like, whoa, what sort of question is that? Yeah, I thanked him. I was like, I, like, I told him, I was like, yeah, well, it could be better, obviously. I'm improving, but now that you've mentioned it, yeah, I feel like it took a toll. But I'm getting better. Thanks for asking, dude. Nobody's ever asked me that question. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, man, no problem. So it was clear to me that somebody had asked him that question, mm. right? And that, and that it had hit him the, in a way. The positive snowball. Yeah. And then he then used that positively fired it back at me and now I'm affected by it positively. Mm. Were you more shocked by the fact that you'd never been asked it before or shocked about the emotional intelligence level of the question? I would say a bit of both. Also, it wasn't just the fact that I hadn't been asked it. It was more of a fact that I'd never really thought about it like that. Mm. So black and white. How is your mental health? Before that point, Sure, I'd have like intuitions about I'm feeling good, I'm feeling bad, science not right, science going really well. But that black and white but question. But that black and, and white answer. question. And then now I've got to think about the answer. Now I'm like, huh? Yeah, how is my mental health? Good question, dude. I haven't thought about that. <laughs> so it's like, it's ironic because you say like the emotional intelligence, the level of emotional intelligence in the question. Bless him. I love my friend, but I wouldn't say he's the, the most emotionally <laughs> intelligent guy that I know. And so it's ironic because that's a, that isn't, a, I would say it's a good question to ask. So yeah, bit of irony there. <laughs> in that period, your recovery is by and large not in your control, comes back to the right, end of control. Right. And that's the thing I think I found really hard about my recovery is that all I could do was what was in my control. But I'm so impatient, I wanted to get on with it. And if there was something oh, I could have turbocharged, dude. I'd have done it, bro. Was that the hardest part for you? Big time. Like, I come from active. I've always hit the gym. I've always done some sport. I've always done something. If I'm not cycling on the road, I'm in the gym, or I'm trying something new, or I'm hiking, or I'm always done something. And so... You've been proactive with the release valve. Yeah. yeah. And I've no, I'm now gone 100 to zero. And I'm like, this sucks. I want to get up. A week in, I'm like... I want to get a glass of water. I want to go downstairs and get my own glass of water. I now want to do things myself, you know? So it was tough. It was tough. Same like you just said, uh, if I could have turbocharged it, I would have turbocharged it. 100% mm. anything. And uh, I feel like I did in a way. 
you're right in a way you don't have control but in a way you kind of do have control because when you recover from an injury of that level you have control in the things like for example your diet your sleep previous guest called it his shed sleep hydration exercise diet how's your shed that's That's what i use now that's good i like that i like that i'm gonna use that (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna use it but yeah you so you so you do have a little bit of control and if you're you know say if i'm recovering from this injury and i'm smoking again cigarettes like that's not gonna help my recovery right fortunately i wasn't by that point i'd quit smoking i'd had some momentum of quitting now I'd, at that point i think i'd quit already by i think i had like a year or two mm-hmm. already of not smoking cigarettes so i didn't fall back into that bad habit so you do have some level of control like your diet your sleep and your shed but at the same time you do want to fast track it and yes. get back to and you can't your do activities that. Exactly. and your friends and your work and mm. and yeah you, you want to get back that. to normality don't you yeah. and you feel like you're not in normality yeah exactly. you're in this different world yeah exactly temporarily yeah friends going bowling can't go yeah friends going gym that. i can't yeah, go mate i had that like especially during covid and then again when i went back to zero is like i had a gig i love gigs you know me i'm a gig every single mm. week if i can and there was a gig that i really wanted to go to and it just came before my recovery was allowing me to allow me to go back in the gym and stuff. And I was so frustrated. I was like, text the the because obviously I've interviewed the guy whose who gig it was. And I was like, mate, I'm so sorry. Like I was buzzing for this, but like it's just come at the wrong it. time. Yeah, just things like that. You're like, oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. There you go. Can't do it. We spoke earlier in the pod, mate, about the importance of having the right people around you. And I think there's a lot of talk in the mainstream conversation when it comes to men's mental health about we need to get men talking or why aren't men talking? And, and I speak a lot with guests in recent times and I say, we are talking. If you give men the space and the trust, most importantly, yep. we will talk mm-hmm. if it feels like we will, will be helped by it. But are people listening to us? So where do you feel the conversation is right now? It's a big question, I know. That's a but... good question. That's a very good question. I think at the moment, like you say, men are talking. People are saying, look, I don't feel good. Something's not right. But there's not enough positive influence. And like you say, people aren't listening, right? Because you could talk about it, you know, till the cows come home. But are you getting anything insightful? Is somebody helping you to deal with it? Or they're or, just giving you platitudes. Or yeah. Or, or they're just trying to help you. you platitudes. Right, yeah, exactly. Yes. Now they're trying to tell you how to live. Just go do yoga, bro. <laughs> right? Instead of maybe sometimes people just need to listen. Yes. Just literally shut up and listen. Mm-hmm. Or maybe sometimes if you're actually asking for advice, you need to go to the right person. Yes. Because if you're asking your drinking buddy, how do I stop drinking? <laughs> how do I slow down on drinking? You're not gonna get the right information, right? And I feel like that's why you've got figures at the moment that are getting a lot of attention you spoke about this in another yep. podcast Jordan Peterson the likes of Andrew Tate I want to separate Jordan Peterson and Andrew Tate though because Jordan Peterson done a lot of good work Andrew Tate's a prick <laughs> but these guys get a lot of attention because they're out there and they're saying you're gonna feel bad right and that's okay what you need to do is you need to get back up and you need to keep on trying well this is the thing mate with these influencers what I always say on my podcast is if Jordan Peterson got vilified for a long time for quite positive messaging, right? Regardless of what you think about his political views, and you can disagree with more agree. I don't agree with anything Jordan Peterson says, but if you vilify him, you will create a vacuum for toxic people, toxic men, to come in and give young men, especially, a positive message wrapped in 
like the Pied Piper, mm. a veil of misogyny and toxicity right. and shit. Yes, yeah, yeah. And like you say, that vacuum is now filled with this space. And the way you feel about Jordan Peterson is the same way I feel about Andrew Tate. Okay. Okay. I don't think he's the worst guy in the world, but I don't think he's the best role model for men either. We can agree on the latter statement. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. So like you say, it comes wrapped up in all of this other Crap. negative yeah. stuff that doesn't work for everybody. Right. So the general narrative from media and the uh, the world yeah. is like, oh, it's okay to feel bad. It's all right to cry. It's all right. Andrew takes out here saying, it's not. You feel bad, you're going to feel bad. But what you need to do is you need to get back up and you need to keep on trying. You need to address the problem as opposed to just... So a lot of, I feel like a lot of young guys are out there and they're feeling something's not right, right? Something's not in their, their brain, their body is telling mm-hmm. them, I don't feel good, man. Something's not right. And they're getting this idea that that's all right. It's okay to not feel okay. But you need to address the problem. But that, why don't yeah, you feel? It's, why, it's not, why don't you feel good? Yeah, it's not it's, tackling it from a, a stereotypically male point of view, whereas we are quite solutions focused. So yes. whenever I've taken the approach to therapy, I've always been like, and this is because therapy has helped me. I'm like, okay, therapy now action. What can I use from the therapy to take action on? CBT is very much like they give you homework. So that really helped me because I do the therapy session, I get homework, I do the action after it. Do you know what I mean? So that's why it really helped me. Whereas I think like the mainstream mental health conversation right now is just a lot of like fluffy, let's just talk, let's just talk, let's just talk. Whereas a lot of men, and especially young boys are like, well, if I talk about X issue, am I going to get listened to? If I talk about X issue, am I going to get the wrong feedback? Am I just going to get told I have male privilege? All this bollocks, right? And then you get, if I talk about this issue, how am I going to get better? Where's the action? What do I need to improve on? So if you vilify John Peterson, you will create Andrew Tate. And if you vilify Andrew Tate, which people are entitled to do, all you're going to do, if you don't tackle the problem, which he is exposed, you are just going to create, like whack-a-mole, more and more Andrew Tate, and people who are probably even worse than Andrew Tate. Probably worse, exactly. Which is a very horrifying thought, but that is what will happen. Exactly. No, I agree, 100%. And I think it's important to have action. We're doers. Men, I think male, like, what masculinity is doing, Mm. okay? Don't think, just do, right? And so... That's what we have to do, right? Analyze the situation. Why do you think you're not feeling well? Well, maybe I'm eating too much fried food. Maybe I'm scrolling too much through social media. Mm. Maybe this vape isn't any good for me, even though it says it on the packet, but you're still I'm vaping it. I'm gaining too much, right? do you know what I mean? Yeah, right? Which is I'm, therefore affecting my exactly shed because I'm not going to sleep properly. And yeah. the point earlier that you made about what does a man need to thrive? Mm-hmm. One of those things is purpose. Mm-hmm. He needs to have we direction. We are purpose-driven, mate. Stereotypically, we are purpose-driven. Right? And if you don't have direction... You don't have purpose and you're you get lost boys. and you're vaping and you're you watching TV. Boys, and these guys don't know where to look nope. and they feel bad and nobody's telling them, look, this is why you feel bad. You need to quit all that bad stuff. You need to create healthy habits. Self-development. Nobody's invest telling in themselves. them that. Yeah. The people who are telling them that are also saying a bunch of other different things and it all comes wrapped together. Yeah. And that's where, that's where you have to learn to identify what works for you as an individual. Exactly. These young yeah. boys don't know any better. Exactly. Exactly. If I was 14 or 15, would I have gravitated towards Andrew Tate? Maybe not, but I would have. Would I have gravitated towards something which could have subconsciously affected my mind and corrosive? I was, I was surrounded by dickheads in my social group who were all racist and homophobic. Like, God knows what I might have said if I had been exposed to the internet as well at that point. Do you know what I mean? Dude, exactly. Yeah, and it's changed now because, <laughs> because you said it, the internet. 
Mm. And now you've got all of this. And also, I think, back to a point that you made earlier, it also falls down to your environment. What's your situation at home? Do you have a male role model? Yes. Because if you... a lot on the podcast, mate. Fatherlessness. Dude, massive if problem. If you don't have that male role model, some male, whether it's a father, an uncle, a grandfather, or a male role model... A positive male role a model. A positive yeah. male role model, you don't know what direction to head in. You're, You're not... going to look for one, and it's not going to be in the right place. Exactly. And the one that you found... It's it... not good for you. Exactly. It's gangs, or it's someone like Andrew exactly. Tate, or it's someone completely different. Exactly. God we forbid. look up to the guys who have got... Yep. The power, the money, and the girls. Mm. And if in your circle, the people who have that are positive, that's okay. But if in your circle, the people who have that are not positive, and they're gang leaders, Mm -hmm. and they're grooming uh, young young boys to get into that lifestyle, fall into that work, that's what you're going to end up doing. Mm. So where's all the good dads at? Right? Where do they teach you that in school? Mm. How to be a good father, Mm. a good husband, a Mm. good brother, a good Mm. male. They don't teach you that in school. No. Where is it? Mate, I completely agree. And I think the positive male role model angle is why I try very hard to A, work on myself and be the best person I mm-hmm. can be. But also for the lads coming up. Like I don't know if I'm looked to as a, as a role model. I would never claim that I would think that. But there could be young lads who listen to this podcast who are 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. And if there are... What message do I want to give out to them? A positive one. A positive one. Like, I want to be a living embodiment of recovery or owning your shit or learning a skill. Do you know what I mean? If they see that, because people can go, oh, well, do they need that? that?" 100% young lads need that. 100%. And if you don't think that, you obviously don't know anything about lads. And I think you've answered your own question there when you asked me, where is the conversation now? And I think the conversation is leading from the front. Yep. because you can tell somebody to do something and they'll probably do the opposite thing. That's actually in our nature. And that's especially somebody, for young lads. <laughs> especially for young lads, right? Rebellion. The white elephant. Yeah. Don't think of a white elephant. Mm. Don't do that. Don't do that. You're not going to drill it into people's minds. They're going to want to do the opposite thing, right? Don't smoke weed. Uh, I wonder what that is, mm. right? Don't hang around with those people. Hmm. Why? I get, mate, honestly, one of the big examples is, you know, when people say you must challenge X if you see it in public. I'm like, have you ever been on a train with a group of young lads? Okay, you're going to go challenge them, right? What thing will they most resist to? An older man coming up to you and going, lads, pack that in. Do you want to take that risk? No, man. Start a fist fight? No, be smart. They could be armed? Who knows? Don't be silly. That's silly. (laughs) That's silly. Context is huge in that scenario. But also... Yeah, just lead it from the front, man. Just doing yep. it. Doing it. You've got to be the change you want to be. You've got to be the change you want to be. MJ, Michael Jackson, man in the mirror. Well, there you right? go. That's what you've got to be. You've got to do it yourself. Other people will look at you and be like, right, this guy's onto something. Yep. Oh, wow. He knows something. That dude knows mm. something. That's what I say a lot, mate. I mm. always say, for men, talking might not be helpful. It might be helpful for some of them, but they exactly might right. be helped by seeing another man talking. Yeah, but they might, accurate. even if they don't want to talk themselves, mm-hmm. they might just go, ah, oh, I appreciate you speaking about that, bro. It's not going to help me because I have skating. I have weightlifting. I have medication that helps me. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate you speaking about that because it will help me. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I think that's important. And we need more of these guys. We need a wider range. Yeah. Right? We need a wider range I'm trying, range bro. Of them. <laughs> I'm trying, bro. I've been trying for seven years, mate. Yeah. And people need to realize that, okay, he says some good things, but some other things I don't agree with. That's, that's okay. Life. That's, that's life. life. 
Find what oh you works God, for bro. you. It's one of my biggest frustrations. Right. It's like, oh, I agree with him, but because he says one thing, I'm going to cancel well, everything else. It. I'm no, like, man, come on, man. Right. You need to be smart, dude. You are you and you are the only you. And to try and be him is a mistake because mm. you're not him. So you need to find what works for you. That's where the conversation is, I think, at the moment. Yeah. I think the best way to sum it up is we've come a long way. Certainly since I started Vent, September 2017. Yeah, I, I agree was, with that. I was the diversity when I stepped in. <laughs> I was one of the first people to talk about many issues. I'm not going to try and claim I like, was the first, but I was definitely one of the first to talk about many issues. But we have a still long, long way to go, in my opinion. Mm, I agree 100%. Why? But I'm, I try and be positive. That's it. I try That's and be positive. I, just... I try and be optimistic. Sometimes I come across as the pessimistic, cynical 29-year-old, but I try and be optimistic. You have to stay optimistic. Yeah, I agree. I want to reflect on your mental health journey, mate. So first of all, similar question as the first topic. What has this mental health journey taught you about yourself? Good question. Um, Tell me about myself. Mm -hmm. I would say that it's, I said this already, but it's okay to fail. Like it's okay to fall down and fail many times. You haven't actually failed until you give up. So you just got to keep on trying. You're capable of anything you put your mind to, but you need to put your mind to it. Is that and what you, you say to, to younger self as well? Yes. Any versions of your younger yes. self? Yeah. Just keep believing in yourself. Keep trying. Don't stop. Have a different approach. It's kind of like um, the example of the injury, right? Mm-hmm. Now you've got an injury. Now you've got to work around the injury and you've got to try a different approach. So L's in life are like an injury, right? Mm. You hurt your shoulder, your elbow, now your wrist, your ankle, whatever, your knees, your hips. You've got to do something different now. Because mm. if you do the same thing that you've done now, the injury is going to get worse. You're not going to improve it. You're potentially going to injure yourself again. You need to have a different approach and try something different. So that's when it comes to getting back up and standing back up and trying again. Try again, but try something different. Keep on trying. And if you fail again, it's all right. Just make sure you get back up and try something different. Our final topic of conversation, Ped, and it's one I try and have with all of my special guests, if we have time. It is a general natter and quick fire chat about mental health. So I hope this question doesn't rattle you as much as it did the first time. But how is your mental health? <laughs> yeah, man, it's good. It's good. It's as good as it can be, given the circumstances. On a scale of 1 to 10? I would say I'm a solid 7.5. Like that, like that. If you've got, if, if your always performance is a 7, there you go. Yeah. My second question is, what age were you when you became self-aware of your mental health and you realise that the feelings you were having weren't physical and they were actually in your mind? That's a good question. Was it 2021 when he asked you that question? I not? would say probably around that yeah? around that time that I'm now thinking, okay, yeah, mental... Oh, no, I would say before that. Before that? Before okay. that. Because, right, so the men's mental health mm-hmm. conversation mm-hmm. doesn't exist where I'm from. Okay. You don't talk about it. It's not even a topic. What are you talking about? It doesn't exist, man. Just crack on with it, mm. right? Sharp. <laughs> Just crack on with it. We talk Cállate. Mental health. Cállate. Cállate. Depresión. Pendejo. Cállate, señor. <laughs> and I experienced it with some of my best friends where I saw them in bad places and I'm thinking, hmm, I've kind of been... They made you reflect on yourself. I've never really thought about this. I've never really believed in it because I didn't even believe in it. I was a product of... Like, product I don't believe in this. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, exist. Yeah. Men's mental health doesn't exist. Mental health, what are you talking about? I come from a place where you don't have time to think about mental health because you need to put food on the table, right? There are more pressing issues. There are more yeah. pressing issues than yeah. to your depression and your anxiety. Please. So I started to see it in close friends of mine. And now I'm thinking, hmm, but this guy's really suffering. Like he's really going through a tough patch. And I'm thinking, hmm, 
right? So now I would say that's when the I cogs first are started to think, mm. uh, maybe it is something. And not just, uh, I had a relationship as well where the girl that I was dating, she also had some mental health challenges, challenges, mm-hmm. troubles. And I'm seeing it and I'm thinking, okay, this is interesting. You're more I'm exposed. It You're now. more, I'm more, more exposed, exposed now. Yeah. And I'm more like understanding with it. And now I'm starting to gain a bit of perspective. And I think that's when I started to sort of open my mind to the subject of mental health. Mm. My next question is about the first mental health conversation you have with someone. So was it with your friend in 2021 or was it earlier or later? Talking about my own personal health was a conversation with my friend. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I spoke about mine. Mm-hmm. But uh, about supporting friends and mm-hmm. supporting girlfriends before that because mm-hmm. I was always trying to be supportive and mm-hmm. I'm always trying to uh, just be the best encourage support, as support much as possible pillar. exactly mm. be the best support pillar what things do you find in life that trigger your mental health if any so it could be things people say to you it could be a sound it could be a sensation a smell being in a particular environment or have you not figured all of them out yet uh, it's a good question personally I would say that it's circumstance okay Certain things will happen in my life where I'll think now... Stresses. Stresses. That I'll think, okay, how is this going to affect me? Mentally, physically. How do I need to tackle this in the best possible way so that I can have the best possible outcome, right? And also, how can I prepare for the worst possible outcome? Because that's very possible too, right? So that is one of the things that I... The saying is you expect the best, but you prepare for the worst, Right, so you plan out the bad scenario, you put yourself in that situation now, it comes from stoicism. Yes. Where you've now lived through the worst outcome. So you've lived through it now in your mind and you've thought about it, but you expect the best one because that's what you hope for and that's what Mm. you kind of hope to happen. So yeah, circumstances, I would say, is what triggers me. But again, it's ups and downs. Mm. That's life. Life is ups and downs. So... It's kind of hard to pinpoint something that triggers me directly. I feel like that might be more related to the conversation about trauma, where if you've got some serious trauma or even yeah, just some triggers are more trauma, related normal in trauma, that sense, yeah. something <clears throat> might be a bit more triggering. Conversely then, what positive tools and methods do you use to improve your mental health or help you feel better? Which ones have worked and also which ones have tried but haven't? Fitness, 100%. Of course, exercise. Yeah knowing educating yourself being informed about the human body and knowing how the human condition affects you right so shed sleep it's a big one food another huge pillar of mental health right if you know if you're informed and you're educated about these subjects you will have a better understanding now why do I feel like crap today? Oh, because I had four hours sleep. That's why, <laughs> that's why I feel like crap today, right? So now you know. But if you don't know... You don't know, you don't know. You don't know, you don't know. <laughs> now you're, you don't know any better. You're thinking, oh man, I feel like crap. It must be my mental health. Like, mm. And it is. But what can you do to improve it? So I would say, yeah, exercise, sleep is a big one. Relationships, the people around you, environments, and growth mindset mm-hmm. is super important, man. You always need to keep learning. I think everybody should adopt that attitude. There's no negative outcomes from adopting the growth mindset attitude of constantly always learning, constantly always improving yourself and trying to learn more. Like we're only here. They say you only live once. You don't. You live every day. You only die once. Right? <laughs> yeah. You're only born once and die once. Yeah. 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 yeah right. So live every day. 
Live mm. every day like it's your last and trust me, you will live a better life. You spoke there about learning. So my next question is, what is the best book, or as I call it, mental health Bible you've read for your mental health? Now, it can be mental health or self-help related. doesn't exclusively have to be. And if you can't think of a book, mm. an album or a TV show oh, or any piece of popular culture. Interesting. I like that. I, yeah, that's good. I would say it's, I can't pinpoint it down to one book. I'd say I've learned things from different books. Okay, give me uh, a few then. Give me a few. So, for example, I like psychology. Yeah. I studied it for A-levels. And I find it very interesting. Mm-hmm. I always have. Um, are you a Freud? Are you a Jung? Are you a... Uh, dude, I'm a Juan. <laughs> I'm a Juan. I'm your Juan. I'm yeah, a Juan, Juan, bro. I'm Juan Jose Estrada <laughs> Lopez. That's me. But more towards the Jung. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I prefer Jung uh, in Nietzsche, the Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Yeah. He's great. And a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah, I tend to go more towards Stoics. Ryan Holiday? You read yeah, he's yeah, good. Yeah. He's yeah. good. Yeah. Obstacle um, is the way. One of my favourites. So, one of the books that I read that had an impact is Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel, Daniel Kahneman. Daniel Kahneman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kahneman, yeah. Kahneman. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant book. Definitely like a challenging read because it's very... It's dense, isn't it? It's dense, yeah, man. Yeah. And you're it's, reading... what I'm, I'm, it's what I'm taking a run-up for. I've got a few others I'm yeah, like reading yeah, first. That's good. <laughs> but that's a really good one in terms of psychology. Another one that had a good impact was The Selfish Gene. Okay. That was more physical. Not physical because it doesn't really teach you. It teaches you about genetics. Okay. And he talks about a lot of the research up to genetics and what we know about genetics and how our genetics influence our physical and our reality. Okay, interesting. Oh, I'm just okay. trying to remember who the author is. I can't remember right now. No, oh, well, the listeners can find that out. It's all good. Yeah. How to make friends and influence people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so yeah. even these, like you said, these sort of self-help books. That's come they, up a couple of they times. They teach you how, mm. to, how to make friends mm. and how to influence people. How is the human psychology, how can you use human psychology and what we know about human psychology up until this point to your advantage? Right, so the difference between approaching the coffee shop cashier with a smile and their name, as opposed to yo, what are you saying? You good? Yeah, cheers. Uh, yeah. Can I have an americano? <laughs> or not even saying thank you. Not yeah. even saying hi. Not yeah. even saying thank you. They're gonna make your coffee with love mm. if you're nice. And, and that's emotional intelligence right? as well. And that's emotional intelligence, a hundred percent. And even better scenario: the guys on the train earlier. You're on the train now. You're observing a situation. And you're thinking something's not right here. Mm. These guys are not doing something right. It's antisocial if you go behavior, in, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. antisocial behavior, right? Yeah. Group of chaps. If you go in with the attitude, guys, you need to stop that. Don't do that. You're harassing. They're going to turn around. They're going to be like, Shut no, up, no, we're going to harass yeah, you yeah, now, yeah, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're the center of attention. Mm. But if you come in with a different attitude, and this is what I learned from that book, like even just a hello. Mm. All right, what's going on? What are you lot up to? What's going on here? Right? They're going to be like, uh, who's this guy? Mm. You know what I mean? It's a different approach. You're trying to disarm the situation. You're trying to yeah. disarm the situation. And you can be smart about the situation. You can have a high level of emotional intelligence and you can take control of the situation. Or maybe you don't and you can come in with the don't do that straight away. They're going to have their backs up and they're not going to yeah. be. Right? So learning about human psychology definitely helped that one. Yeah, I would say those are three good books okay. to start with. There's been a few quotes you've given in this podcast. So, if there was a top mantra or quote that sums up your mental health, mm-hmm. what would it be and why? Um, I like this question because it works for me and maybe for some people <laughs> it doesn't work. But for me, and I've always, I've known this saying since I was young. I can't even remember where I heard it or who gave it to me, but it's stuck with me. It goes, if you're going through hell, keep going. Right? Again, some people it's not going to work. <laughs> some people it might might work. 
But yeah, somebody me, like I'm looking for the escape route. <laughs> yeah, the escape route is it's forward. It's forward. Yeah. yeah, it's to keep going. It's to put one foot in front of the other. That's the escape route mm. because circumstances are situational. No, circumstances are temporary. Your circumstances are temporary, and they're only a product of your habits up until that point, like your actions up until that point. So. If your circumstances right now is that you're going through hell, or even, let's say, for example, something you haven't got control over, a death of a loved one, or something serious, some serious trauma, financial struggles, terrible, real, actual mm. financial struggles. These are all big stressors, and that will put you in a bad place, 100%. A big injury that you weren't expecting, it will put you in a bad place. But if you keep one foot in front of the other, and you keep going, eventually, you're going to be all right. Mm. Now, you need to head in the right direction, right? You can't just keep walking into the fire. Yeah, you directionless. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You need to head in the right direction, but it stands. One foot in front of the other. Mm. Just keep on moving. I've got two questions left. The first one is, what do you love about yourself? Yeah, that's a tricky question. English people because, always struggle with this one. Right, yeah. <laughs> the American guests, they're, they're quick with an answer. I can give you many, many questions give me, that give I love me, about yeah, myself. Give me some traits. Give me a quality. <laughs> um... So my ability to keep on going, mm-hmm. I know I've drummed it, <laughs> all right, but that, the growth mindset, the experiences that I've had in my life, the people that I've got around me. Now. Now, <laughs> yeah. And even then, because mm. all of that, what I went through, all of the, at the time, what felt like hell, like I said to you, in hindsight, it's nothing because it's temporary. And I did what I had to do to keep on going and to get out of it. So even that I'm grateful for. And even the moving back and forth from the countries and the new schools and the bullying and the beatings, Mm. it's fine. That's what made me who I am now. Without all of that, I wouldn't be who I am. Mm. So I like that. And yeah, I don't know if these things are me myself, but the people that I have around me, I'm very grateful for them. You're a good picker of people then. That's what I've would gotten be good. I guess yeah. I've gotten good at picking people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think probably security also has some, yeah, yeah. because you become a good people analyzer. Yes. It's part of your job is to analyze people and to spot red flags, spot yeah. red flags to, um, not just to analyze, but to absorb and to observe mm. and to be observant. And that's a, that's a good skill. It's mm. a good skill to have. I've got one final question, mate. It's a broad one. What more do you think we have to do to ensure men from all backgrounds, all nationalities, all walks of life feel comfortable and safe in opening up about their mental health issues or just their general mental health if, most importantly, they want to do it? Leads back to the point that we were speaking about earlier, leading from the front. You can only be the best version of yourself. And the emphasis is on the first word, you. Because nobody can be that version for you right? It's like a personal trainer. You got to do the work. I can't go to the gym for you. I can't eat the right foods for you. You've got to do it. So by leading from example, we're giving this aura, this energy out. People are looking, they're thinking, right, he's doing something right because it's working for him. So maybe I can learn something from that guy because he's clearly doing something right. I think leading from the front is probably the best answer that I can give you. Being the best version of yourself, constantly growing, doing what you've been put on this earth to do. Right, And that's different for many people. For some people, it's playing the guitar and teaching others to play the guitar. For other people, it's learning about psychology and mm. being an effective people person. Mm-hmm. For other people, it could be many different things. Okay, But just making sure that the focus... You can't fill up someone else's glass if you don't have water in your own glass. Mm. Right, So you can only give somebody water if you have water. You don't have any water, you can't give anybody any. So leading from the front. 
That's a great way to end it. Juan, aka Pedro, thank you so much for coming on the Just Checking In podcast and talking to me, mate. Mate, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. This has been great. Well, that's all we've got time for in this episode of the Just Checking In pod. A big thank you to Juan, aka Pedro, for being my special guest and for letting me check in with him. I'll put some links where you can follow Pedro's journey on social media in the show notes. And I'll sign us off by saying thank you to all the vendors who've tuned in. Remember, if you've liked what you've heard, please give this a share on social media. Tell your friends or work colleagues about it. If you're feeling generous, write us a review and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you like what we're doing at Vent, please consider supporting us by going to www.patreon.com slash VentHelpUK or you can make a one-off donation to our GoFundMe or buy a ticket to the next Just Checking In live show. Or you can go to our link tree, that's linktr.ee slash VentHelpUK to find out more about all the other ways you can financially support us at Vent. We hope to check in with you again very soon. And remember, guys, it is always okay to vent.